Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. And somebody just said, oh, Lord, we're going to Leviticus. But Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. There's some good stuff in here. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about soot. Um, I'm going to talk about soot and burning clean for Christ. I really feel like the Lord has a message for us today for 2018. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. What is incomplete in your life? Is there anything in your life that has been left undone? Uh, What has settled and what has remained? Uh, You know, in many seasons of our life, between work and hobbies and kids and family and family drama and finances and responsibility, uh, we can just go, go, go. It's real easy to get burnt out. It's really easy. Uh, That's that phrase where they burn the candle at both ends. What does that mean? It means that you've been overworked morning and night, and you've been go, go, go morning and night. Anybody been go, go, go over the holidays morning and night? Uh, and so I just really felt like that uh, this, this past month, really. And, but what does it mean? Uh, <clears throat> we're go, go, go. We're exhausted. We're doing things day and night. We've got all these activities to the point that we're just burning the candle at both ends. And then when we rest, what happens? Normally when we rest in those seasons, uh, what do we do? We just veg it on the couch, we get our potato chips, we eat our ice cream, we put our sweatpants on, we watch the latest thing on Netflix, and we binge all weekend long on that popular new TV sitcom, or we go to the movies, we go get a nice uh, meal and all that. And so we turn to TV and social media and hobbies instead of praying and reading our Bible Uh, And what happens? Instead of resting in the Lord and resting in the peace and quiet of His, and meditating on His Word, meditating on His Spirit, all the things that uh, we were, God was maybe trying to work on us on, uh, begin to burn out, begin to kind of kindle down to some embers. And so instead of getting the real rest we needed, spiritually we're getting burnt out because we're turning to the wrong things and we're go, go, go. And so, spiritually, we get to this place where God stops speaking to us. Maybe God stops using us. We stop feeling the passion for His Word once again. And maybe we'll come to a church service or two, and it'll happen, and we'll get up in there with God, and and we'll feel it, but then it'll just kind of go back to the way it was. But God has a different plan in mind for you, and I don't think that's the way Christianity is meant to be lived, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Is our flame burning low? And so many uh, run full throttle for the things of this world. And they do exactly what this world tells them to do. Their schedule looks like the rest of the schedule of this world. Uh, But so many are running full throttle for the world. But what about running full throttle for Christ? Amen? What does it look like to run full throttle for Christ? This week... uh, uh, we had a little bit of car trouble uh, in my house. And so we had some family in, and Beth was using my truck, and I was driving her SUV. And uh, it was cold. It's been cold here uh, for the last several weeks, we know. And so I'm driving, and I'm actually on my way to church. And all of a sudden, I start pressing the gas, but it's not moving. And the gas pedal's stuck. And so it was stuck going off. And all of a sudden, the car just, you know, going down. And I start jiggling the gas pedal again and trying to make sure. And then it comes back, and I go a little further, and then it stops. It sticks again. And so I'm a little panicked, obviously, at that moment. And so anyway, I coast to the side of the road and get out and have to jiggle it. And finally, it unsticks, and I get all the way to church here. Well, I am the least mechanical person I know, all right, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting amens on that one. And so 
Uh, I don't mess with cars. I don't do anything with cars. If, you know, maybe my lawnmower, I'll do all that. But as far as cars go, I'm a novice. I don't know anything. And so YouTube is my friend in that area. So I go YouTube at all. And so come to find out uh, what I thought was like cars. I didn't, I didn't know anything, right? And so come to find out the, from the gas pedal where the air intake is, there's this little valve, this little flap where I push the gas pedal. That little flap opens and shuts, lets air in because air makes combustion, right, with the fire. And so what would happen is this soot, this black stuff, this tarry stuff, had gotten that little valve that let the air in stuck. And so they tell me how to fix it, and then I do the feel like a man, you know, like <clears throat> I fixed something on my car without paying $100, right? And so it was, at the end of the day... Uh, what it was all, all really it was, I thought I was thinking I was going to have to press the gas pedal, going to do all this stuff. But no, it was soot that had not allowed the fire of the engine to keep burning. And so I began to think about that, and the Lord just spoke to me this week. Uh, you know, to burn for Christ, you've got to be continually cleansed by Christ. Uh, to burn for Christ, you've got to be continually cleansed by Christ. And uh, we're going to talk about being cleansed a little bit today. Uh, and what the Holy Spirit wants us to understand today is about being continually cleansed by Christ. So let's go to Leviticus today. Uh, in the Bible, there's this real big topic about being clean and unclean. If you read the Bible at all, you might find this theme uh, about being cleansed and uh, clean and unclean. Uh, and specifically, you find it in the Old Testament. Now, the Bible tells us that God is really obsessed with cleanliness, and it's not the whole thing, God, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not what that means. He was using this terminology to talk about sin. And in the eyes of God, sinners were unclean. But God was using Israel to create this kingdom on earth, this place of moral uprightness, of, of chastity, of purity, of holiness, uh, and so he begins to tell them what it takes to be holy, to be clean. And throughout Leviticus, you'll see all of these uh, huge ceremonial processes for making something unclean, clean. Now, something that was unclean is kind of interesting, because if it's unclean, anything unclean, if it touches something clean, makes it unclean. The dirtiness spreads. The con it's like contagious. Anything unclean is contagious. And so God begins to tell them there's these ritual washings, there's some things that involve some ashes, there's some things that involve some offerings, some blood sacrifices, and the highest form of cleanliness would come through a thing called burnt offerings. A burnt offering was something that an animal would be sacrificed, it would be completely burnt up, and the sin of that person would be put onto that burnt uh, animal, and they would be made ritually clean. Kind of crazy, huh? We don't do that today, thank the Lord. But all of this stuff, this complex system, showed them uh, what the holiness of God, how untouchable it was, and how contagious our sin was. Now, look, let's read this in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8, because this is telling us about the burnt offering. Now, I'm going to pull some stuff out of this tip this morning. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, all right, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offerings. This is the number one, the highest form of getting clean. The burnt offering must be left on the top of the altar, I'm reading the New Living, uh, until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. Turn to your neighbor and say, burning all night. Burning all night. Burning all night. And in the morning after the priest 
uh, after the priest on duty has put his official linen clothing and, and linen garments on, he must clean out the ashes from the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that's ceremonial, ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. There is a second time. It must never go out a third time. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire, arrange the burnt offering on it, and then he'll burn the fat of the peace offering, another offering. And remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Amen. Okay, so th- this burnt offering, it symbolized entirely uh, and the entirety of completion with God. It is a, an entire consecration. It was symbolic of everything, God, I need you to cleanse it. Everything in totality, complete burning of this animal, completeness, uh, everything laid bare before him. And so this entire and continual consecration to God, the fire never went out. In fact, the burnt offering is one of the only sacrifices that was entirely burned up. Some other, a lot of the other sacrifices would just burn up the fat, and then the priest would eat some of it, and the people could take some of it home. But this one, it was all in. Uh, and the priests are responsible to keep this big bronze box, which was this altar in front of the tabernacle where God's presence was. There was this big uh, cubic box and on that box, it was made of bronze, and on top of that box, it would be like a big barbecue pit for us, and they would have the blood that would be caught, and they would burn this animal all day long. This slow, I mean, just be, can you imagine how good that would smell, by the way? I mean, it would really be smelling good. Now, the blood wouldn't smell good, but man, when that, that cow began to roast, man, it would be like a steak. That'd be like... It's kind of like us having our church next to the brisket house. It's just that sweet-smelling aroma is always uh, around our parking lot. And so uh, it would begin to smell an aroma to God, and that all day long that would be burnt. Now, every day, if you've ever had a barbecue pit or anything like that, the ashes would go to the bottom, and every uh, day that priest, he would come, he would put on his uh, priestly clothes, take the ashes out, then he would change his clothes take those ashes so he wouldn't get anything on his clothes and he would be going to a common area. So that was another reason he had to leave his clothes there. Take those, clothes, uh, those ashes, go outside the camp to a neutral location specific for these ashes and dump them there. Now that's significant because I want you to follow along with me uh, later on. What happens though, if we look at this in light of being a Christian, what happens when we put it all on the table with God? What happens when we lay everything bare with God and we say, God, uh, I'm going all in. All my chips are on the table. Everything I have is in you. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we're to be that living sacrifice. That Everything is being, uh, being given to God. And he says we're this continual offering. So it's not everything is laid out before God. Everything is given over to God. Nothing hidden back. Number two, it means the fire of the Holy Spirit doesn't stop burning in our lives. That means that God's plan for your life is not, number one, that everything would be laid bare before him. Everything you have in your life is given completely over to him. Number two, it means that the fire of the Holy Spirit in your heart is never to go out. It's to keep burning from day to day to day. And he says it multiple times, three times in that passage. It must never go out. The presence of God in your life must never be dry. It must never be dull. It must never be cooling off. It says that the fire is continually stoked each day. And number three, it's this. 
Every day, things got to be removed out of your life. Every day, the old dead things of your life have got to be taken out and placed outside the camp. We're going to talk about soot. What is soot? How many people have a chimney? A few of us. Miss Evelyn's been talking about her chimney this week, and so uh, she's talking about getting her chimney started for a new year. And soot, what is soot? It is that black powdery substance on the inside of that chimney. Uh, And specifically, the dictionary says this. It says it is the incomplete burning of matter. It's incomplete. It's things that haven't completely been done away with. They've been burnt, they've been changed, they've been altered, they're dead, but it's not done. It hasn't evaporated into nothing, it didn't turn into the smoke, it wasn't consumed by the fire. It's, in fact, it's called the leftovers. It's what settles. It's the residue of a burning, all right? Now, follow with me. Uh, think about that chimney, Miss Evelyn's chimney, she got it going, uh, thank the Lord, or she didn't burn her house down this year, uh, but, yeah, every year if you've got a chimney, you're supposed to clean out the soot. They even have special logs now. Unless you call Mary Poppins, uh, you know, to come to your house and they clean that soot out. Uh, there's these logs that can burn out that stuff. But if you don't clean out the soot, what happens? You can get a flash fire. The fire can come back down. The smoke can fill your house. Uh, you could actually burn your house down. Or, in fact, if you never cleaned out your ashes at all, it's going to keep building up and take up all the space and the oxygen. And your fire will never be very big, right? You follow me this morning? Things that soot must be removed. And it wasn't bad. It was there to be a sacrifice. It was there to be burned up. But here's the problem. The problem with this fire thing is this. The slower and the weaker... I want my fire to last all night long. So if you're burning a house, I mean, you're burning your fire in your house, you want your fire to last throughout the night, or maybe you got a wood stove, you want your fire to last while you're sleeping at night, you've got to need a slow burn. You need it to last all night long. But here's the problem with slow burns. A slow burn creates more ash and more soot. If you do a hot burn, you want a big, warm, hot, blazing fire, what's the problem with that? Man, it's got good heat, but what? It burns out quick. A hot, raging fire doesn't last very long. So we've got these two conundrums here. I want a fire that lasts all night long, but I don't want a lot of soot. Hotter the fire, the cleaner the burn. The slower the fire, the more soot you have, right? But here's the deal. These priests had the same issues. God says this fire is to be made in the morning, and it's to last all day. But this fire must consume the offering. And every day you must remove the soot, the ashes, to keep the fire burning. And every day again, you're going to restoke that fire. Every day again, you're going to take out that soot. You're going to take out those ashes. You're going to restoke that fire and keep it burning continually. And it should be a long, it's, the, it's this perfect balance. The hottest fire with the longest burn. That's what God wants in your life. God wants the longest fire with the hottest burn. And the Bible says that God is this consuming fire. So in your life, you're going to have things, and when you go through this Christian life, you're going to have things that are left incomplete from the Holy Spirit's work in your life. The fire of the Holy Spirit, man, he is meant to consume you, consume the sin in your life, the things you're giving God, offerings to God. Take my time, my talent, my treasure. God, take this attitude. God, take my job. God, take my marriage. And the Holy Spirit is going to begin to burn these things. But you know, sometimes as we go through our life, there are things that are left incomplete. God's only halfway done with my pride. Maybe God's only halfway done with my attitude. Maybe God's only halfway done with my marriage or my finances. Maybe halfway done with this vision, this dream, this ambition that's in my life. 
And God's been burning and consuming my life, but yet there are things that are left incomplete. There are things that he's touched, but yet he didn't really completely consume yet. And so God's plan is this consuming and continual burn. It's not a quick flash that cools off. I see so many uh, young Christians come in and get flamed up for God only to fizzle out in a few weeks or days or months or even years. God's plan for your life is a slow, hot burn, and it's got to be rekindled every single day. Amen? Every single day. Each day matters. You know, we've got a new year. We're beginning here. And I look at my life and I say, Heath, what is the things that God has been trying to do in your life for the last one year, two years, ten years? What are things that God has been taking you on this journey uh, to understand His presence, to know His Word, to do His ministry, his, to do what He's called you? What kind of husband is He calling you to be? What kind of father is He called you to be? And, you know, if I just kind of go on with life and I just begin to focus on things of this world and run full throttle for the world and I never let God continually cleanse me out, what's going to happen? The flame is going to begin to burn down. And if I don't continually, you know, sometimes it's even that, like in that gas pedal, I could keep pushing that gas and pushing that gas and pushing that gas. Say, God, stoke the fire in my life. God, burn flames in my life. God, come down in my life. Lord, I need more from you, more from you, more from you. But I never cleaned out the soot. I'm just pushing that gas pedal for no good reason. I haven't let God continue the work he once already began. There are some things in our life, if we get serious this morning, that God is left unfinished because God is not concerned with a one-time, one-day moment in your life. He wants a day-by-day-by-day fire. That fire is never to go out from the beginning of your salvation walk to the time he calls you into glory. That fire is meant to start and never end. And each day he's got an offering in your heart he wants to burn up. But to keep that flame burning, if you've been in uh, youth group for a while, if you ever grew up in youth group, you know it's so easy to go to youth camp, get on fire for God over the summer when you're not in school. But then when you go back to school, it's real hard to walk for Jesus. Same thing for in church. You can come to church and feel a good, hey, y'all, uh, let's go for Jesus and run around the church and we can get all excited and go to the altar and weep and cry and snot. But then when we go to work or we go to our family, whoo, they know how to push my buttons. They know how to talk the talk that's going to enrage the other kind of fire in me, right? They know how to turn everything around and re-spin the things that I was saying and make everything turn and twisted, right? But God has a plan. Is he burning continually in your life? Is he consuming in your life? Each day mattered. If the priest did not remove the ashes every day, if the priest did not restoke the fire every day, there wouldn't be a fire tomorrow. You know, it's so easy to think, well, I will, once my kids are grown up, I'll get really serious about God and my prayer life. Uh, once uh, this season of my life settles down, I'll really engage and get involved in my local church. Once this is done this week, once this project at office, at the job, at my career is done, once I get through this little project, then I'm going to renew that prayer life. Then I'm going to get in the Word. Then I'm going to really go after God. You know what? There's a song that says, Someday Never Comes. Right? If you don't stoke the fire today, it'll be out tomorrow. How are you going to live a lifelong burning for God if you can't make it through today? If you can't keep the fire burning today? 
We think, oh, that'll come. I'll get on fire for God. You know why? Because there's things that have settled in our life. There are things that are clogging our hearts. There are things that have burned us out. Each day matters. His plan is a consuming and continual burn. So how do you do that, Pastor Heath? How do you get to that place? What do you do? Let's go back. Let's go back to Leviticus because we have to realize, number one, is this. I'm going to give you three things today. Number one, Christ is the offering. Christ is the first offering. Uh, in Leviticus, uh, we see this picture of this burnt offering. And if you're to understand Jesus Christ, you have to understand something about these rituals. When Jesus Christ steps in the earth, what happens? Remember, in the Old Testament, everything that was unclean began to be contagious. And man, if, I, if there was something unclean in my house and I touched it, it would make me unclean. If you were unclean and I touched you, uh, I couldn't eat with you. I couldn't do anything with you. And in fact, some things, if an unclean person sat in this chair, this chair would be unclean for a whole day. That's how it worked. It was contagious. But when Jesus steps down on the earth, what happens? Jesus begins to touch all the unclean. He begins to touch the unclean lepers, and they begin to get healed. He begins to touch the unclean prostitutes. Their lives begin to change. He casts out demons out of people. He has, his contagious was holiness, and his holiness began to be contagious, unlike everything before. Why? Because he became the perfect sacrifice that we needed. The Bible says that he would be this burnt offering, that he would be completely given completely to God as a perfect sacrifice. First Peter says uh, that he would be without blemish or spot. And that uh, we go on and his death would be the cleansing of all, all these rituals. What they could never do, Christ would do one time, Hebrews 8, 6 says, when he died on the cross and made his life an offering. And John tells us in 1 John that his life became the ultimate sacrifice, that his blood cleanses us from all sin. And even Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 says it this way. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify the cleansing of the flesh, if all that sanctifies the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ through who the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Jesus comes down and he, number one, becomes the burnt offering you needed. He gave himself completely to God. He laid his life down for you. He was completely consumed in your stead. And that burnt offering, they would lay their hands on that burnt offering. And the sin of that person we put on that burnt offering, our sin was put on to him. And he, consumed, he was consumed by God. The wrath of God took him out. And his purpose for coming, Isaiah tells us, that he would take those who had their mourning over their sin and he would trade them. Not the, you know, the Bible says if you would put ashes on your head, what's the sign of? Mourning, right? He would trade those who had been mourning over their sin, beauty for ashes, right? He would take that, that thing, I'm saying, God, I'm so sorry for my sin, and he would trade it for something beautiful. And even First Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 says this way, He raised the poor from the dust, he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. God takes something that was filthy and dirty and unusable and contagious in your life, and he transforms it by giving himself, and now his holiness becomes contagious. Now he begins to transform something. Okay, so number one, Christ is the offering. Number two, he cleanses us. He cleans out our hearts, and he calls us to clean the ashes. Now think about it this way. So follow with me this morning. So Christ has become the sacrifice we needed. 
But he's so concerned, not about these rituals, he's concerned about something we call heart holiness. In your life, we can say, all right, God, you've done this. Okay, you're done. Okay, what do I got to do now? And he looks at these Pharisees who think they got all the rituals down. He tells them a few things. He says in Matthew 6, 22, he says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. And in Matthew 23, he says, You're a blind Pharisee. If you wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. What's he saying? You know, even as a Christian, I can say, All right, God, I know I'm saved by grace. I'm not going to hell. There's nothing. All right, God, I'm, I, I know you've forgiven me of my sin. But as a Christian... Just because I don't have to make sacrifice anymore, just because I, I'm made right with God, doesn't mean I get to stay right there. If I begin, the Romans tells us, if we begin to set our minds on earthly things, not the things of God, that we're dying on the inside. That Holy Spirit flame is going to burn out. So what does he say? Renew our mind every day, Ephesians says, that we need to put off the old things that were and begin to renew in the spirit of our mind that which is like Jesus Christ, that new man. What's he saying? Jesus is saying, every single day, I'm concerned about your heart holiness. Yeah, I've I've forgiven you. I've cleansed you. I've been the burnt offering for you. But holiness still matters to God. Every single day, it matters what you're choosing to let God consume and God remove. There are things that you're going to go through in this life. You're going to go through the muck. We're going to go through unclean things every single day. What you see on the news, what you see on TV, what other people are wearing when you pass by on the street. Men, when we hear those people talk, everything we do, the attitudes that surround us, the negativity of our coworkers, the gossip of our family, all of that is contagious. But if Jesus is your offering, it's untouchable. Our holiness now should be contagious. And he says, now, what you're watching now is every day now, this Holy Spirit fire is no longer physical on this offering, trying to burn up all this stuff. Now, it's inside of you. I'm concerned about your heart holiness. I'm concerned about what I'm consuming in you. And not only is the world contagious to you, but are you contagious to the world? Is my fire of the Holy Spirit burning every day, consuming the old things, removing the old things? Every day, church, we've got to remove the old things and refuel the fire. You know, it's been said that some people come down to an altar and they, they give everything to God only to pick it back up again when they leave. You heard that before? What does that really mean? For me, it's like this. They come down to the altar. They burn for God. But they never take out the ashes. God might do a work. And you, man, gets me through that unforgiveness, gets me through that anger. Man, I really felt God in that night. But I really didn't let the old things go. I kept them with me. Right? Maybe God did a work in me. Maybe I did forgive that person. Maybe I don't cuss like I used to anymore. But I still have it somewhere in a pocket, somewhere in my heart. It might be dead. You know what happens in a fire if you, like I said this morning, if you don't let that soot go? It's going to be the wrong kind of fire is going to come back to bite you. That fire will either stoke out and, and not burn anymore because you've carried around all the old things, even if they're dead. Or there's going to be a flash fire, and all that soot's going to catch fire and burn in a way you don't want it to. All those dead things can come back to life, or they'll kill you out. Sometimes God does a work, and there's incomplete things he wants you to get rid of. They're dead. They're done. But you're not supposed to hold on to them any longer. 
There are things that may have happened last year God wants you to let go of and move on. Maybe it was a good thing. Maybe it was a bad thing. God's saying, restoke the fire, remove the ashes. Look with me in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. I'll tell it to you in a different way. Revelation chapter 3, there's this uh, town called Sardis. Sardis was a town that once was really bustling and alive. Uh, some said it was a manufacturing. Some said it was a military base. Uh, but basically, it was really alive, but now it kind of died down. And it looked like a city, but it really wasn't there. If you go to some places in the south, you know what I'm talking about. There's some towns around us that look like they're a town, but really there's nothing there. The things are all boarded up. It once was something, but now it's not. And Sardis is that way. And Jesus begins to write to this last day's church, and he says to the angel of Sardis, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Revelation 3.1. I know your deeds. You've got a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, they're what you've received and heard. Hold fast, repent, but if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief, and you'll know at that time what I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They'll walk with me dressed in white, for they're worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I'll never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Angels, Who has the ears to hear, let him hear. They were Christian in name only, and sometimes that can so happen to us. I burned brightly for God at a younger season of my life, or maybe last year, the year before, maybe 10 years ago. I was on fire. I was in my prayer closet. I was reading my Bible. I was talking to people about Jesus. I had a, I had a, a, a leap in my step. I, I was really into God. I was serving in my church. I was able to tithe and give, and I was just excited about what Jesus was doing in my life. But then there comes a time when we begin to burn for the world. We go full throttle for the world. We begin to let the things every day, we don't rekindle that fire. Every day we don't remove those ashes. And yet that soot begins to come in our life and darken it and darken it and darken it. And sure enough, before long, because we've been burning for the things of the world at both ends and pushing the throttle for the things of the world, yet we have no fire. Or if it is, it's just a few little embers that burn nothing. And so look at you, you'd say, oh yeah, they're a Christian. God's touched them. I see evidence there was a fire in their life. Maybe there's a little glow there, but yet nothing is usable. God can't consume anything in that person's life anymore, and I can't consume any other things in that person's life anymore. There's nothing that God is able to talk to them, and God's not speaking to them. God's not using them. And this church, the same way, they're like that priest in Leviticus. Every time he went out to take the ashes out, he had to change his royal clothes, very expensive clothes. He didn't want to get ashes on them. He was going to into the world, into a common place. He wanted to keep his holiness intact. And it's like sometimes we can do God's work, and if we're not careful, the old things, the things that are dirty, the things that are contagious of this world begin to con- get rubbed off on us. We get a little bit of soot on our clothes. And if that priest got soot on his clothes, he would be unclean. He would be unable to do any duty for the Lord that day until he cleansed his clothes and washed himself. Just like this, this church had gotten dirty trying to do the work of Christ. Their fire was about to die, so in a way Christ says it this way. He says, realize you're burning out. It's time to clean out the soot, rekindle the fire of the Holy Spirit. Have we gotten careless with our cleanliness? Have we uh, forgotten to clean out the soot of our life and refuel the fire? Because you've got to be clean like Jesus to be contagious. 
And I'm going to end with this. In Numbers chapter 19, I'm going to tell you what, why contagious. God's, God's purpose is that continual consuming fire. But it's also to be contagious. And here's why. In Numbers chapter 19, there is a certain type of burnt offering that was contagious. In Numbers chapter 19, it was called the burnt offering of the red heifer. And it was this red cow that was taken outside the camp, and it was burnt up there and sacrificed there. And it was for one purpose. They would take this burnt offering and the ashes that would be come from it. They would take holy water. It was called running water or living water from a spring, moving water. And they would mix the ashes of that red heifer with this holy water. Mix them together. And that was for purpose to be set aside upon the time that a person who was clean got unclean. If they touched something dead, for instance, or a dead person, they had a funeral, they become unclean. So they would go out to the priest and they'd say, this is the, the holy water, this is the mixed water, the living water with the ashes of the red heifer. And they would sprinkle it on that person and on the third day they'd be clean, or on the third day they, everything would go away and on the seventh day they could come back into the, the temple and uh, worship with God. Why is that important? The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus went outside the camp for us. We know he was, he was crucified outside the temple. And he says, you too should go out with him and bear his reproach. Why is that important? See, the burnt offering was a continual and consuming fire for God, and the ashes had to be removed every day. But the burnt offering of the red heifer, it was contagious. See, ashes can be good. Ashes on one side give you cancer, and they can get your clothes dirty, and they're dirty and grime. But on one side, you know that you can do with soot, if you mix it with lye and water, it makes soap. If you mix it with other stuff like water, it, it can shine silver. If you put it in your garden, it becomes fertilizer. There's bad soot, but if you mix something with it, it can be good. Jesus Christ went outside the camp as that offering. And when he died, he was totally consumed by God for you. And what was happening is now the memory of him was mixed in Acts chapter 2 with the living water of the Holy Spirit and when applied to your life, makes you clean. Hallelujah. That is good. Amen. Amen. So when you go outside the camp and you bear that reproach with him, you say, God, I want to be a living sacrifice like Jesus Christ. I want to be consumed like Jesus Christ. When you lay your life down and go all in on that altar and you go outside the religious holiness that everyone says you've got to attain, you say, I'm following Jesus Christ. I've given all into Jesus Christ. I'm dying with him on that altar. And your life becomes a living sacrifice, a sweet smelling aroma of worship. And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of the dead things in your life, and when you say, God, I'm not holding on to the dead things and the soot, I'm removing the ashes, God, you can take what was dead in my life and you can use it, Holy Spirit, if you just mix it with your living water, then it's going to make somebody else clean. God has a testimony that maybe today you've been stoking the fire. It's been dying on the inside of you. There have been things that have been burning out. It's because God wants you to give it away. He wants to take that dirt of your life that was once, uh, it was once this sin. Now it's been dead by the Holy Spirit. But God has a purpose for it. That's your testimony. And someone can say, God's going to take it with his Holy Spirit. He's going to take those things and say, man, you used to be on drugs. You must, used to have a, a mouth like a sailor. You used to be a gambler. You must be an addict. You must be one of the town's worst gossips. But now God's going to say to a, to, I'm going to take that dead thing in your life. I've consumed it by the Holy Spirit. There's some stuff that remains, and that's a memory 
Just like the memory of Jesus Christ, I'm going to take that, I'm going to mix it with my presence, I'm going to mix it with my spirit, mix it with my word, and I'm going to, somebody else is going to apply it to their life and say, God, I've seen you do that in them. Can you do that in me? What does God need to be removing from your life? There might be good things, there might be bad things. Every good branch bears fruit. But in John 15, Jesus says, even the good branches need to be pruned. There might be some good things God's done in your life, but you've been holding on to it. He wants you to give it away. There's been some incomplete things. God's been trying to work with you on your attitude. God's been trying to work with you on your outlook on life. Maybe God's been trying to work with you to give some things away, but you've been holding on to it. He's only halfway done. Release the ashes and restoke the fire and be contagious. We can keep running full throttle for the world. We can keep burning both ends. We can keep spreading the unclean soot of sin. We can allow the whole world to be contagious to us. Or it can burn continually by the Holy Spirit and leave a residue that reveals Jesus. Let Christ be your sacrifice. Let him clean out the ashes and be contagious for him.